0: Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by listennotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau.
1: Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We're so blessed that you're joining us. Dr. Candace Campbell is our guest today. She's a multifaceted person at just about Every way you can think of. She's a career nurse with so many designations after her name, I couldn't even begin to explain them. She's an author, a producer of documentary films, an improv actor with some pretty intriguing one-person shows that she mainly uses in keynote presentations at healthcare conferences. But one of them, she actually portrays probably the most Famous nurse ever, Florence Nightingale. We're going to be talking about that in a little bit. Dr. Campbell also recently released a new book titled Improv to Improve Healthcare, A System for Creative Problem Solving. Help me welcome to the program, Dr. Candy Campbell. Candy, thank you for taking the time to join us today. I do appreciate it so much. Oh, thank you.
2: It is my pleasure.
1: Amen. Now, the first question I always start with is this. Other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Dr. Candace Campbell?
2: Mm. Um, some I, I Dr. Candace Campbell is it goes by Candy, really, because my mother used to only call me Candace when I was in trouble.
1: Oh, I know that feeling. <laughs> so I like to
2: recall Candy. Um, you know, as a faithful person and a, a follower of Christ since I was an adult, well, you know how a lot of us come to the Lord as children. And then we get too smart during our college years and which was my story. And I uh, came back after my first difficult time in life. When I thought to myself, Hmm, how's this been going for me? I don't have any faithful friends. I, and of the friends that I have, I'm seeing some duplicity and, and unethical behavior that I, I really upsets me. I think I'll just go back to church to see if I can find a friend. Forget about the Jesus stuff. And, you know, the Holy Spirit used that and brought me back into the fold. And he has been surprising me ever
1: since. Amen. Amen. Well, let's start. With how you ended up becoming a nurse in the first place, because you're not the usual high school to college to nursing type of career. Share with us that roundabout way that you decided one day just to become a nurse.
2: Well, I have to say that I'm old. So you might remember, no, I think you're younger than me. Um, in the day when women, you know, I, I graduated high school in the late 60s. So Women then had not really broken through the glass ceiling, and the three choices were nurse, secretary, teacher, pretty much. And although I liked, I knew I liked teaching. Um, I, I just thought nursing would be adventurous, so I told my counselor that that's where I thought I'd I'd like to go. And she looked at my grades and my SAT scores and all, and said, "Hmm." looks like you're like off the charts with reading and comprehension and so forth, but not so great in math and science. And I think that's going to be a stumbling block for you. If you get B's and C's, you you may not pass organic chem. So I didn't know what to do, uh, really prayed about it. And the Lord really led me to believe that the way that I should use my gifts which had been a side interest, was to take a degree in theater and acting. And so when I graduated from college the first time, I thought, well, that's it, I'll be a repertory actor and that will be great. And uh, something happened along the way. So I was all set for all of that. And then I had what we nowadays call a kind of a me too moment where I was starring in a a play, uh, Summerstock. And the director, for whatever reason, we were alone that night. Somebody else, there was, you know, not very many people in the play. And we were alone that night doing some blocking. And and, uh, he surprised me by basically foisting himself on me. And I shoved him across the room because I thought I knew this person and said, you know, what? What in the world are you doing? And uh, he said, Well, come on, you're going to New York. This is the way the game is played. And I said, Mm. Not for me. So I walked off the show, and you can just, it it just sounds like it's out of a movie when he's going, Wait a minute, wait a minute, we open in three and a half weeks. You can't do this. I'm like, Watch me. He's like, (laughs) You'll never work in this town again, you know, whatever. So I decided, Well, if that's the way the game is played, I'm out of the game. I'm not that kind of person. I've been a comedic actor. I'll just do something else. I went home with my tail between my legs. And one day, my mom brought in the newspaper. You remember newspapers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And she said, well, you know, you always said you like to travel. And I had done some traveling in, in school. I had lived abroad for a while and uh, she said you wanted to travel again. Look, Pan Am is interviewing. So despite the fact that I'm only five foot two, <laughs> they um they hired me. And that was in 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 my my other days' words, my longest running acting gig. <laughs> you know, there was Costume, makeup, and pretty much improv for I, I flew around the world for about five years, little little more than five years. And I lived in six countries in the in the meantime, six cities in the meantime. And one day, because this really is getting to how I came to be a nurse. <laughs> one day, after I'd been flying about four and a half years, we were flying from New Delhi, India to Karachi, Pakistan. Okay. And I don't know if your, maybe some of your global audience knows that pattern. It's a, a pattern, a flight pattern, uh, where those flights are mostly filled up with people who, you know, are families because, you know, that's who's there. And so on the flight, it was a 747 and, do you remember, Bob, we used to serve a full meal, even oh, in yeah. economy, right? Oh, yeah. Chicken, that's fish, right. or steak. Yeah. That's right. And we had finished the meal. And it was interesting that day because the air conditioning, even though we were, we were a full flight, it's like 264 people or something like that. It was a full flight and the air conditioning was waning. Mm. So it was warm in there. And to add to that, suddenly the seatbelt sign went on. We had finished serving the meal and we were told to take our seats. Well, wouldn't you know, we had terrible turbulence. Mm -hmm. And at one point, we went down really far. And the surprise was that we, my seatmate and I, were in the back of the plane, and that was right around 124 people. And we, witnessed ribbons of vomit (laughs) and that was the day i realized after it was all over some people run to help and some people run to hide i ran to help she ran to hide and when it was all over she said oh my gosh i don't know how you did that well in the first place We had blankets up top for everybody. I just sort of covered the muck and all. And I said to her, well, aside from the fact that everybody was sick, and that's really sad that people were sick, you know, was kind of artistic. (laughs) And she said, you should become a nurse because you've got that crazy sense of humor. So that sort of started me on the road To becoming
1: a nurse. Amen. Amen. (laughs) That's great. And and what area of nursing did you decide to specialize in?
2: Ah, well, there goes another story uh, into the crazy quilt of my nursing life. You know, you don't always get to choose what you do. And so I was first licensed in the LA area in 1979, and I just couldn't even find a full-time job. Well, I didn't really want a full-time job because I was also pregnant when I, when I graduated with our first child. So I took a part-time job, which is all I could find at a psychiatric facility. And uh, that was good. And then finally... Because I had, you know, a year's experience. Then I I found a part-time job in the LA area, but I couldn't find a part-time job in a particular department. They they put me in what they call the float pool. So actually, for a newer nurse, it was it was really good education. Every and I was working night shift, of course, you know how that goes, it's seniority. So I would work like two or three nights a week and I had a new baby and uh, that was interesting, but I would go to different floors. So one night they were going to call me off. They didn't need me anywhere it seemed, but our budget depended upon me working a certain amount of time. So I said, is there any place I could, Orient and learn something? And she said, Well, I don't know. Uh, you know, this is a staffer. She wasn't a nurse. Yeah. She goes, I don't know. A lot of nurses don't want to do this, but would you like to tag on to the IV team? I said, Yeah, I want to be an intensive care nurse. So that began another series of opportunities that opened up as uh, those nurses trained me and then recommended me when a part-time position came for the adult intensive care unit at that hospital. And after I did that for a while, I really thought I'd really like to do labor and delivery. Mm -hmm. And so then I transitioned to labor and delivery And um, it was a long story, but at one point, um, the doctor said, you need smaller patients. So Mm. (laughs) I transitioned to the neonatal intensive care unit. In the meanwhile, I did home health and hospice care, but the NICU is where I spent most of my nursing life before I became an administrator and then an academic.
1: Amen. Amen. So. Did your experience in your prior career help you in nursing
2: at all? Oh, heavens, yes. Oh, heavens, yes. And let me explain. Thank you for that question. You know, um, I often hear from nurses who are around my age, the boomer variety, that they went right from high school into nursing because of, you know, like I thought it'd be more exciting and whatever reason they had. I I was fortunate enough to have had the opportunity to deal with the public in a corporate environment. Now, interesting, this is something that I don't always get to tell people, but since we're talking about how the Lord uses you, you know, interestingly enough, when Pan Am found out that I had this acting background, my first uh my first base was New York city. I got a call right away from the PR department asking if I would help them part-time doing PR. Well, heck yeah. (laughs) My first commercials I did for Pan Am. My first one was shot in Rome, you know, was really fun. Uh, But then I, I got on their roster. Um, my my first professional speaking gigs were actually as a representative of the airline. And so therefore, I had already had media training. I had a lot of training that people from high school who go right into clinical don't necessarily have. And I want to tell you, this includes things like how to answer a phone. <laughs> you know? And so... Because the assumption is that if you're in nursing, you you understand human behavior because you've had psychology and, and, and human behavior classes, that you know how to interact with people. Well, between my experiences as a flight attendant and the fact, I should mention, even scrolling back further, my father owned restaurants and nightclubs and my first job, by the time I was um, in college, when he could hire me, he had scaled down, sold the nightclub, and he was running a, a small restaurant coffee shop kind of place. And they even had banquets and all. And so in the summers, I worked for my dad. And wow, was that an experience, you know, dealing with the public yeah, and having nice. him say, You just let me know if there's any problems, but you are. This is the first time I ever heard this. You are the representative of our family's brand.
1: Amen. Amen.
2: So there there are a lot of ways that that came into play.
1: Oh, I could imagine. You know, I, I found in my military training as well, you know, like law enforcement, dealing with people when they're not particularly having their best day. Yeah, uh, That's helped me in ministry as well. I mean, it's really amazing yes. how God can orchestrate our lives to be a blessing to someone almost every step of the way, but ultimately to get you to where he wanted you in the first place to be a blessing to a lot of people. But, but yeah, and, and you know, by you working in the NICU and all that, uh, I understand your first documentary was about micro premature babies. Can you briefly tell us about that?
2: Well, it's my first and only film, actually, until the Lord tells me to make another one. That ain't going to happen. One. No. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: make thank you. i will have,
2: <laughs> have to tell me about what, because I'll tell you, that was a five-year project. And oh, most. Imagine. It mostly because I'm not a techie person and I had to learn so much. And talking what you just said, right? You were just talking about how the Lord puts you where he wants you. Well, I don't know about you, but I fought back. Amen. I, I did not feeling. want, no, I did not want to do it. Yeah. Because I by the time that I was, I, I say burdened with the call to answer the question that had been raised about the worth of premature. These are micro premature babies, which are defined as 24 to 28 weeks gestation, right, right around, you know, five or six months mm-hmm. along in the pregnancy. And um, I, I just, well, I had a side gig at the time. I was in the San Francisco area. I had a commercial agent there before I moved here to the East coast during COVID, um, for many, many years. And therefore I was doing, I was working full-time as a nurse. Cause by then I was a single mom with three children. And, um, but I, I just loved, I, I wanted to get back into acting sort of, well, it was nice to have a little extra money, but also because it was fun. And I'm, and I missed that. So I was doing commercials and voiceover work, industrials and things like that. And, and I noticed that I had maybe three producers who kept asking for me back. And so when in 1998 is when the idea started percolating because there was a study published. It was all over the newspapers. Reuters carried it all over the newspapers of the study of babies in the 1980s that they had followed up until maybe the mid nineties. And it was a very, very sad sort of, result the the findings were not happy and those of us who were working in the neonatal intensive care area knew that what we were doing in the 1980s paled in comparison to the kind of results and technology that we were able to offer in the late 90s yeah. and there was so little research that um, I was really happy when the Lord put it on my heart to, to answer this, you know, and like I said, it wasn't me. It was all the nurses and doctors that I knew. Everybody was concerned, but I thought, ah, I know what I'll do. I will pitch this idea to these, at least one of these three producers that I know. And I did, and they all said the same thing. That sounds like a really good idea, Candy. You should do it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I got one child in middle school, one in high school, and one in college. I well, I don't think so. You know, well, no, really, if you if this is your baby, so to speak, you don't want to turn it over to anybody else. If I'm the producer, I'm gonna change it. And I thought, oh well, I'll I'll figure this out. I said, oh no, but I'll be your advisor. And I know all of them are like, no, it doesn't really work like that. You know, (laughs) I'm going to take the idea. I'm going to see my vision. You need to go to film school. Well, wow. (laughs) I wound up praying about it, fighting, you know, honestly, that that image of wrestling with the Lord. Oh, that's where I was. I just couldn't see it. But then the Lord started opening doors and I just, you know, I felt him saying, trust me, just take the first step. I didn't want to take it. I did not want to take it. But one after another, we could talk for a long time about the obstacles and how the Lord brought me through all of those things. And, and then, you know, as I said, it, it won a wonderful international medical media award.
1: Praise um, the Lord. Amen. Amazing. Amen. Amen. And you appear, you've appeared yourself, you know, on stage on screen in commercials on TV, you've done voiceovers and all of that. And that's in addition to your career as a nurse and a neonatal intensive care unit. Then, like I said, I read you started your own production company for the making of your documentaries, and you developed not one, not two, but three solo shows for your talks. Do you ever rest?
2: <laughs> you know, isn't it funny? When I came to know the Lord as an adult, I had just had our first child, and things were not going well then in 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 the marital area, and. I came to the Lord asking for peace in the home and guidance because myself guiding myself didn't seem to be working out so well. And at every step of the way, I can remember thinking, maybe because I was a nurse by then and and watching, you know, I remember the first time I saw someone die and that happily Was just before I actually came to know Christ as an adult. And that experience has never left me about how we're only one breath away from eternity. And if you don't mind, could I share that experience? Sure, go
0: ahead.
2: Some people don't like to talk about death, but this was a Christian woman. And again, I had not come back to christ at all but i i was on that float team and i was going to the cancer ward and uh the hospital was a a nice uh middle class whatever you want to call it hospital it had two beds in each room and this was before hospice uh, at home became kind of a thing people died in the hospital more often you know this so this was like in 1980 i think and um there were uh, two patients in that room. The one closest to the window was this woman who ultimately died. And uh, I was with her for two nights on the three to 11 shift. The other lady who was closer to the door, the first night she was there, she was slated to leave the next day. She was getting well and getting out. Right. And so the second day she wasn't even in there, but the thing that Surprised me or impressed me when I went into that room was that the lady, uh, this Christian lady, her was obviously so well loved. Her walls and everything around her were decorated with wonderful notes and pictures from her grandbabies and all kinds of wonderful, loving messages. And my task. Uh, as her nurse, as her basically hospice nurse there was to guide her gently in her last time. And the first day was really fun um, because one of the first things she said to me when I came in with her morphine, you know, she had an injection site and her family had said, we want it given right on time. So, I was definitely going to do that. Didn't want her to be in pain. So when I walked in and spoke to her daughter, she said, oh, it's time. I'll take a break while you, you know, do your assessment and then, you know, give her this medicine. So she kind of was, you know, in and out of it. And and when I touched her and told her that I was going to take her blood pressure and whatever, she looked up at me and she said, are you my angel? (laughs) And I said, no, I'm, I'm your nurse. And she said, you look to me like an angel. And I thought, oh, how sweet. And I said, no, I'm just here to make you comfortable. And she said, well, I'm going to call you my angel. And I thought, oh, man, this woman is so full of love. No wonder everybody loves her. It was really cute. I didn't know she said that to all her nurses or what. But the next day when I came in, she was obviously going down quite a bit and, um, her family was there and it was the same thing happened. It was time for me to, you know, gently, um, you know, see if I could rouse her to, you know, give her, um, you know, I have to chart about if she's with us or whatever. Anyway, I gently roused her again and she said, here's my angel. And I said, "It's so sweet of you." And I said, um, "It looks like you're sleeping quite a lot." Well, she she obviously was right back sleeping. So okay, I gave her the medicine, and almost immediately after I gave her this medicine, she opened her eyes a little and looked straight ahead and went, oh, "Lovely," and then she fell back and left this body. Amen. <laughs> Amen. And I was so, it just still gives me goosebumps mm-hmm. to think about it. But do you know, you would have thought that maybe that kind of experience would have made me go pray and seek the Lord. And be, no, <laughs> it was a, It was probably. Um, Many months before Mm. I then I reflected on oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, there is a hope for afterwards. It's real.
1: Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for today's portion of this great interview with Dr. Candy Campbell. And I'm telling you, folks, this is a great interview. You do not want to miss part two coming up tomorrow as we conclude this interview because she's going to be talking about her keynote presentations where she takes on the persona of Florence Nightingale, yeah. Oh, it's going to be a great discussion. You do not want to miss it. But be sure you go down to the show notes, click the link down there, get a hold of her book *Improv to Improve Healthcare: A System for Creative Problem Solving*. You do not want to miss this. Okay, get your copy of the book, today. Be sure you come back for the next portion of the interview as we conclude our interview with Dr. Candice Candy Campbell. Until next time, as Pastor Bob I remind me, be blessed in all that you do.